0: Hey there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name's Matt Wakeling and thank you so much for joining me. So here we are at episode number 22 and we're having a good time. Thanks for the great feedback on last week's episode on Maiton Guitars and that great company's celebrating 70 years of guitar production in Australia and doing some great things here and all around the world. Now, in today's episode, I'm really excited to bring you an interview I had with Andy Othling from Albuquerque, New Mexico, who writes, produces, records uh, under the name of Lowercase Noises, and he's really built an amazing career, very much on his own terms. That's coming up very soon. But first, a couple of shout-outs. Today's program is brought to you by Ugroove. Ugroove redid our logo, the Guitar Speak podcast logo, which I think looks awesome. Thanks to Warren Scott at Ugroove. We've got links to them so you can get in touch with them for your design needs. We're also brought to you by Michael Dolce's 2016 Funk Fusion Guitar Masterclass Tour, which is happening right now. So many great dates uh, in Australia, all over the place, really. Check out Michael's website for the latest dates. But here's a word from Michael about the clinics.
1: Hi, guys, this is Michael Dolce inviting you to my 2016 Funk Fusion Masterclass Tour. To give you a brief rundown of what the night consists of, we get 10 players in a room in a really relaxed atmosphere, nothing too intimidating. We cover soloing over the one chord vamp. I will be sharing all my concepts that have worked for me over the years and I still use to this very day. The idea is to show you guys these ideas and apply them to your own voice. If you feel that you know how to play a pentatonic scale and a major scale, that's all you really need. Um, If you're interested in attending the class, you can book through my website at www.michaeldolchymusic.com. So I look forward to chatting with you all and hopefully catch you at my next masterclass. Cheers for now, guys. All
0: right, we're big fans of Michael here. Um, I got to one of his clinics earlier this year and they are really great, absolutely. Uh, Really inspiring to take you playing to the next level. Hey, Michael's put together a really great competition as well, so um, with some great giveaways, including uh, a Mission Rewire pedal, uh, Trinity pickup, a silly guitar strap, a uh, box of GHS strings, some really cool stuff. So check out Michael's Facebook page, Michael Daltry Music, or go to our Facebook page, Guitar Speak Podcast, and you'll get all the details there. Alright, on to our interview of the day with Andy Othling, also known as Lowercase Noises. About 10 years ago, Andy started uploading YouTube videos, really just sketches or or ideas he had for ambient guitar pieces, using um, beautiful tones and and, uh, gorgeous reverbs and delays and and crafting these really interesting pieces. Uh, just, Just played through a webcam, very humble beginnings. Before he knew it, thousands of people were tuning in to his his channel, listening to these pieces. And uh, since then, there have been a a slew of albums, various tours, and just some really exciting projects that Andy's put together and and given legs to. And all of this has culminated in a full-time career for Andy. Andy is the consummate Web 2.0 musician, if there ever was one. But beyond all the clever social networking and and use of the media and and use of the the stretch of the the web is um, really just a hard-to-make, meaningful and expressive music. I think ultimately that's why lots of people are listening to lowercase noises. It was great for me to catch up with Andy. I've been listening to his stuff myself for quite a while and it was great to hear about his influences and his his journey as a musician. Um, With Andy's permission, there's a few audio excerpts. I'm going to run through the interview as well. First up, we're going to hear a little bit of a track called Beauty Interrect from the EP Passage. Then we'll move on to our interview with Andy Othling. Andy Offling, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, man.
0: This is fun. Awesome, that's cool. Hey, um, you're in Albuquerque, in the US. Indeed, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yep. Cool. Now, our our podcast here yeah, it gets pretty much all around the world, which is awesome. But we're based in Sydney, Australia. Can you can you sort of explain where where New Mexico is?
1: Yeah, as New Mexico. I mean, it borders actual Mexico, old Mexico on mm-hmm. the south and then we've got Texas, big old Texas to the <laughs> east and then uh, Arizona and California to the west so definitely southern southern uh, United States but people think that I, I get mad because D- uh, Denver's the mile high city in Colorado okay but we but we are a mile high too. Ah, so okay. I'd like people to know that, that Albuquerque is 5,000 feet as well. So there it's very go. nice here.
0: There you go, people. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Very cool. Hey, Andy,
1: when did you start playing guitar? Um, That was right between uh, fifth and sixth grade, so right when I was getting into middle school. Uh-huh. And I'm, I've am i had that question asked me multiple times, and I still haven't done the math to figure out what age I was. Okay. So maybe 11, 12-ish. All right, yep, yep. There. Um, yeah. Cool, and were you taking lessons, or how how did you get
0: into into the plan? Yeah, so
1: so what happened is my parents basically came to me with an ultimatum and said, "Well, not an ultimatum. Uh, it was just a, hey, you are going to learn an instrument. We're going to pay for lessons, but you get to pick whatever instrument you want. so I kind of was just like, uh, my my dad played classical guitar. Okay. Um, so there were some acoustic guitars and um, nylon string guitars hanging around that I would see and mess around with. So I was just kind of like, uh, okay, I guess I'll just play the guitar. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of how it
0: started. Cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Did that influence you at all? Like hearing hearing that classical guitar music being played?
1: Yeah, no, it did. And he he was so like disciplined and diligent about it. Like that my my parents are the kind of people that literally get up before 5 a.m. Like, they're at the gym at 5 a.m. Wow. Every weekday. And my dad had a regiment, I think, where he would, like, go to the gym super early and then be back by, like, 5.45 or something insane and then be practicing his classical guitar. So I'd kind of, like, wake up every morning hearing him do these things. And then he had these kind of token blues riff scales that he would play when we like begged him to you know <laughs> so that, that, that was kind of you know we we're just like hey play that like I totally forgot what it was but there was a certain song he would we would beg him to play he never yeah. really wanted to but we, <laughs> <he would. laughs> that's cool that's cool yeah. so um
0: so as you progressed on guitar um who were your influences as you you know started to get a, a voice
1: yeah um yeah it started off a lot of, I mean, I, you know, I started off listening to some of my, you know, my dad's old CDs and, and vinyl and stuff. So there was definitely like a Led Zeppelin influence at first, mm-hmm. um, kind of classic rock stuff. But the first real guitar player that really <laughs> uh, caught my attention was Eddie Van Halen. And then soon after was Stevie Ray Vaughan.
0: Yeah, cool. <laughs> so I, uh,
1: you know, I in high school, particularly, I was super into Stevie Ray Vaughan and you know, I was one of those kids who just – the the pinnacle of playing guitar was learning to play um, uh, Eruption and Little Wing. That's all I wanted to learn how to play from those two people. <laughs> great, great, man. Um, yeah.
0: Actually, I've asked a couple of people this. Do you, do you remember the first time you heard Eruption?
1: Um, no, but I do remember the first time I heard uh, – I think it was the first Van Halen song I ever heard was Ice Cream Man. Okay, yeah. On, on the radio because it starts off so like – you know, typical acoustic song. And then it just like goes off at the end. I'm just like, what? Whoa. Like that, that was the first, I remember specifically hearing that on the radio, be like, Oh, that's, that's cool. I want to go there. (laughs) Nice. (laughs)
0: Nice.
1: Did you end up getting across some of that stuff? Um, yeah, across. Uh, so, I mean, after that, I, I feel like my uncle at that point was, he's like, Oh, you like that? Like here, I'll burn you a CD. And, um, so I de- that, um, that was the first Van Halen album, right? I'm betraying Ice myself cream, man. now. I, I can't remember. I remember the first... It was on the same album as Eruption and, and all the other ones. Yeah, that, that was... was the first one,
0: yeah. Yeah, that so that... That must the that's... first one then. Eruption was on the first record, anyway.
1: Right, exactly. So I think that hearing that song and then getting the CD and then hearing Eruption was ultimately how that happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. cool, cool. I remember, um, I remember hearing it with my friends at school and like a lot of people, I'd thought... What's that keyboard doing? You know, <laughs>
1: yeah, hang um, on, it's a guitar. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness, cool. yeah. And Stevie, Stevie Ray Vaughan, when, um, how did that happen? How'd you bump um, into him?
1: That was another, I believe that was another recommendation from either I may have been my uncle again, like uh-huh. just giving me the Texas Flood album. Oh, yeah, great. Um, and I, I just dove really into that and in, i just a couple albums worth but then i re- remember being super obsessed with the dvds okay um, yep. like live at the elma combo yeah yeah definitely my favorite one even though he's just like looks so sickly in that in that <laughs> video yeah that's, but just that's set in was it was about 83 i think that sounds right it was pretty early on it was a really tiny club i believe in canada somewhere yeah right um but yeah i just remember watching that over and over and just the the energy of it was just something I couldn't fathom, really. Yeah, you know? wow.
0: Yeah, he's an absolute force. Um, yeah. And yeah, probably
1: not well in that time period. And uh, Oh, I just remember by the end of that video, he's just so pale. Like it's, yeah, right. And, I, and also, there's that Austin City Limits uh, compilation DVD. Not compilation, but there's two... It's a DVD where it's him, Austin City Limits, early on, and then like a later Austin City Limits, and like after he'd you know gotten sober so he just like his color is back yeah and yeah so much happier
0: yeah he looks amazing um,
1: that, and he does he, he, and he's even playing better i think
0: yeah um, I th- oh, absolutely was kind of,
1: kind of an interesting thing to see in that one dvd i always remember noticing that pretty early on
0: yeah wow that's cool in um in australia anyway um david bowie was huge from the, the oh, whole yeah. let's dance so that's how me and a lot of my friends got introduced to steve rayvon well what,
1: he... what's funny is so david bowie was the very first cd i ever bought of my own choice oh, okay wow and it yeah it was the it was the changes uh compilation okay so it wasn't so it, it had let's dance on it Yep. And I didn't realize for years that that was Stevie Ray Vaughan, like oh, even yeah. after I got into him. So then at some point I went back and heard it. I was like, wait, holy crap. Like it just tied everything together because, yeah, um, that I mean, that song in particular, Changes, was the first song ever that I heard where I was like, hey, I'd like to own that. <laughs>
0: so, awesome, man.
1: And like so it was the first CD I ever bought, like with my own money. And,
0: Great, and it man. It wasn't just
1: given to me. So it's kind of a weird uh, circle of things that connected after a while
0: yeah nice and he had so many great guitar players david bowie um oh yeah man so it's funny you know it's not obvious guitar music a lot of it anyway but there's always some really great stuff to dig out
1: yeah exactly and like there's probably stuff i don't even know like when he died all this stuff came out that i was like i kind of um you know i was really into that one album but i wasn't familiar with a lot of what he did so I, Mm -hmm. i at some point i'd like to go back and dive into you know, his albums and who was there and doing what and it seems like a fun uh, thing to go back through at some point.
0: Yeah, sure. One one really interesting guy is um, um oh Robert Fripp. Robert Fripp. Um, oh yeah who, you know, was making crazy soundscapes on one hand and huh. then playing these anti social guitar solos on David Bowie uh-huh. records the other the other time. So
1: he's one of those guys that I've heard mentioned a lot and I feel guilty that I should know more of his stuff than I do like oh, yeah. a lot of people talk to me and they're like oh you know this guy and this guy and Andy Fripp I'm like I've heard the name yeah <laughs> but I, I
0: should probably know him more than I do <laughs> oh man he's he's a guy he's he's quite a guy anyway mm-hmm. hey listen back back to um so you growing up playing guitar did you end up yeah so you're listening to rock and and blue stuff now did you end up playing bands yeah. garage yeah bands or I things?
1: when i was in high school i basically started a instrumental blues rock band cool. <laughs> with a couple other guys so it was me and a drummer and a bass player and yeah it, start, it started off basically you know standard blues stuff and mm-hmm. doing our own kind of jam jam rock kind of things and i mean uh you know i mean long story short and you can dive into wherever you want to but i just there was a in high school was kind of like my blues rock phase where I just wanted to like shred as hard as possible and yeah you know the, and that's when I was in that band and you, there kind of came a point where I was like this just isn't really doing it for me anymore <laughs> like mm-hmm. the pursuit of just being able to play as fast as possible and be as flashy as possible it just kind of uh you know lost its charm sure. um, so you know I went on to college and uh, basically you know was introduced to some different style of music that um, the music. Had more depth and feeling to me, and that led me to want to move in a different direction in terms of playing. So, I may have glossed over a million different things you're interested in, but (laughs) start from there. (laughs) Now, that's cool. Well, I wonder,
0: yeah, eventually get to the idea of when did you start working on your more ambient kind of stuff.
1: So, what what were you hearing in college? What what kind of artists? I mean, so, I mean, the big, uh, changing point for me is i met a guy who was going into the same degree i was in he was from out of state and introduced me to a band called dredge which is very much um uh you know a rock band but the the guitarist mark who is still to this day my favorite guitar player favorite sound just has this massive um so his rig is these two JCM 900 Marshall half stacks in stereo, awesome, <laughs> um, spread as far away from each other on the stage as you can, and then like his pedal board ends with a just a standard Boss stereo delay. Okay, so it's just this massive ping pong delay sound. I was like, I've never heard anything that big before, wow. and, it, and, and uh, it's not you know flashy playing. He he's very um, p- precise and intense in his playing, but it's nothing like a, a blues you know whatever so I was just I was just blown away by the uh intensity and hugeness of the sound and uh, at, as silly as it sounds I really got into that band dredge and <laughs> so much so that I got onto an internet forum of just dredge fans and from there I just got all these recommendations of oh, kind of cool. led led down to post-rock bands yep and then eventually to more uh ambient style stuff so that was kind of the gateway to uh basically where i'm at now in terms of uh, things i'd like to hear <laughs> yeah great man yeah
0: that's it that sounds like a good progression so um what kind of yeah. post-rock were you, were you listening to i mean
1: you know it started off with uh it, it explosions in the sky was a big one at the beginning yep. and um sure. this will destroy you um i remember a band called the i think they're from russia called the ev Patoria Report, Ev okay. something like that. Um, I mean, basically the big... And I kind of fell... I was really into post-rock for a short period mm-hmm. and kind of fell out of it. Yeah. Um, and, and really just latched onto the more, I, I guess... I mean, I don't really like the word ambient. It seems like a non-word at this point, but... Yeah, sure. Um, that, at least the stuff that's not that um, super epic crescendo yeah style stuff that gets really big like that um i had that for a period and kind of um moved on at least Mm -hmm. from my for my tastes you know yeah but those were the big bands from the beginning
0: yeah cool so um yeah it's funny you say about the ambient term because it does sound a little um yeah it can imply all sorts of things from elevated music to
1: to like electronic edm stuff even yeah (laughs) absolutely not that useful for most part so as nebulous as labels are, what what do you call your own stuff when people ask? What what do you do? Um, I, where I'm at lately, I, I basically just try to turn it around. Like I've had a lot of people tell me what it sounds like, in that yep. <laughs> they say, "Oh, it, it sounds like soundtracks for movies. Like yeah, this should right. be in a movie." And so basically, when people ask what it sounds like, that's what I say. So it's like it's like soundtracky type instrumental music that you would hear under a movie that's kind of where i start and then i might throw in the word ambient if i feel like they will if that will help them understand (laughs) Um, but soundtrack is the word i like to start because that feel like that puts people in the right uh headspace yeah cool
0: nice now yeah as as far as i could see um and i've been following you for quite a while i first i first found you on youtube was youtube the first outlet for you getting your music out there
1: yeah, I mean, YouTube's still basically the center of everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been doing my YouTube channel since, like, I, mean, I think I signed up in 2006, wow. which is insane. It was pretty new, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think I really started using it until, like, oh eight oh nine or okay. something.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, that's absolutely the genesis of my whole career, basically, yeah. at this point, is YouTube.
0: Wow, that's brilliant. yeah um,
1: so when um i guess just
0: backing up to the music before you actually get something on youtube when was it a gradual slide into like playing in this style of music or when did you start cranking your delay pedals or what were you using to with your first experiments
1: well there was a transitional period kind of before what i was talking about where i discovered that band in college discovered dredge like i I feel like I accidentally wrote a couple post-rock songs while I was in my blues rock band and having not even heard that style. So I had like a boss DD five as my only thing delay pedal. And it was just, um, so I, I was like purposefully not writing something that I could like shred over. It was just like these really slow building, you know, delay heavy lines and, Um, it ended up sounding very similar to the music so it was kind of a cool collision of like here's what I'm already finding myself interested in and then I'm like oh here's this scene that is doing that for the most part so um, that it started honestly before I even discovered the genre and then once I discovered that there's like oh there's this whole kind of minimal realm of uh, music that's more spacey and doesn't quite have the same crescendo Mm -hmm. as standard post rock and kind of gives you that open space feeling without necessarily the intensity. Um, I kind of just, you know, went, went into it from there. Yeah. Cool. And was
0: it always a solo guitar thing you were doing? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, it started, I mean, solo in the sense that, I mean one of the other things that happened in college is I had a friend give me a, a CD full of cracked software and one of the pieces of software was Sony Acid so I started just experimenting with recording myself okay so I got kind of you know obsessed with the idea of recording myself yeah cool and you know just you know I, when you first start you get ups, you get excited about oh I can record myself and then I could put another recording on top of it and I can have 10 of me on yeah, top of each other which absolutely. is not it doesn't sound good in the end but it's exciting <laughs> to be able to technically do that definitely
0: uh, yep. so yeah
1: that's kind of where that
0: started cool and when did um when did you start using hardware loopers
1: oh i mean uh, i mean ever since i got a dl4 yep. which was pretty early on and i still think is one of the greatest loopers ever yeah, um, yeah.
0: A lot of people, a lot of people started looping on it. That's the big green box, yep. the
1: Line Six the, box. Hey, the the metal spaceship toaster looking <laughs> four button box. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. J- just because, I mean, the the ability to, if I remember correctly, I really need to get another one. But they, uh, you know, you can go halftime, octave down, and kind of reverse it. Yeah. Cool. And just stack on top of it as much as you want to. Yeah. Um, it just kind of has everything, at, at least in my genre. You, you can tweak it and make it sound weird, and it just has everything I want in a looper, basically. Even now.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Octave down, reverse rocks. That's that's a lot of oh, fun. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. You don't need anything more than that. <laughs>
0: cool man. Okay. So you started using that um, with your with your YouTube videos. Um, mm-hmm. At least when I started watching, which was probably number. 10 or 11 or something Mm. um yeah the production seemed pretty good like early on you
1: were miking up your amp and yeah well uh, yeah was i i'm trying to think it started off as just a webcam i honestly think some of my very first videos were purely just yeah audio and video from like a usb webcam okay yep um uh, yeah i think kind of coupled with like what I was saying discovering that software where I could record myself yeah, I like, well cool. I can I can re- record my audio separate and then put those together and it'll be better so yeah it was kind of a the the thing that's both good and bad about my YouTube channel is <laughs> you go back far enough you can basically see my entire evolution
0: yeah definitely uh,
1: so it it's embarrassing a little bit <laughs> to see what I did in the past there and how i was recording and filming stuff but um you know for better or for worse it's all it's all there for people yeah. to see at this point
0: <laughs> <laughs> i actually i think that's a really cool thing i think it's definitely a great thing to look at your early tracks and and um, yeah and how it's all kind of grown and um i know people get obsessed with your pedals and with your rig sure um it seems like half the comments are what pedal are you using for this and right what are you yeah. using for that but um at a purely musical level, yeah, I, I love that. I love that it. it's a, a definite, um, very linear, or literally yeah. a linear continuation of. Um,
1: and at least your the stuff. thing I'm proud about is that I do think throughout the whole process, um, even though I've I've gone in and out of doing more gear centered videos, like mm-hmm. the the whole goal for the entire YouTube channel and really every video I do is to have cool musical ideas, yeah, regardless sure. of gear and, and i do think that's really what has helped me be successful mm-hmm. and and ultimately be able to have a career where i'm sustaining myself and my family on it yeah it's because right. the, the 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 end goal is to have a good creative musical product um and sure there are tools that help me get there um and i'm happy to talk about them and um but it, it does uh you know it, it it's hard sometimes when people seem to just want to focus on the gear I, I like the people who uh i mean like like what you just said basically what i'm saying is i appreciate the fact that you from the beginning realized that this is or at least what drew you in. it seems like was the ideas and the musical pieces
0: <laughs> yeah sure for sure for sure and um yeah and i'll perhaps in, in a little while we will talk about your rig and, and where it's up to at the moment so
1: oh yeah um, i mean i know i'm on the guitar speak podcast so i'm I indeed
0: yeah, so we we are into gear.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> no apologies, no,
0: right. but um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, always, always the the sound is the thing, and that that goes for okay. anyone. Hey, Stevie Ray Vaughan, mm-hmm. the tone, people obsess over the the signal chain or Van Halen, the Brown sound, but yep. at the yep. end of the day, they're making great tunes. You know, they're making great yeah. music. Yeah. Hey, one thing I love about your career, Andy, you've seemed to um, take on some really unique projects that a lot of people might have as a great idea, but not sort of follow sure. them through. So I might mention a few things that sure. that you've done, and and you, perhaps you could comment on those. Um, sure. Maybe working backwards a little bit. This year, you uh, embarked on a tour called the Slow Spaces Tour. Yes, indeed. Can you can you tell us a bit about yeah. that?
1: Yeah. So that kind of came out of uh, conversations I had with. Uh, my friends who came with me in the opening band, a uh, band called Hotel Neon, who do a similar type, uh, ambient droney, they're they're a little more straightforward drone okay. uh, than, than me. But the idea of, you know, there's been kind of a, res- not a resurgence, but a, uh, a kind of a house show movement going on. Okay. And, you know, for the most part, it's like dudes who can, uh, you know, singer-songwriters who can just kind of show up with an acoustic guitar and sing some songs and then get out of there. Yeah. Which uh, I've always been sort of jealous of. I was like, man, I need all this crap to do, <laughs> to do what I need to do. So yeah. Um, the the challenge was basically, it's like, okay, for, I mean, one, I feel like my music really lends itself to kind of living room, intimate spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, that, I can that, see that for sure. So it, the idea of doing it in that place seems like I'd rather do it in someone's living room than like a coffee shop or a bar or a standard venue any day um so then the challenge was just okay how do we technically figure out how to do this Mm -hmm. and i mean that's basically where that came from cool um just you know i think me and uh um the who were in the opening band and and the other guy steven uh basically for a year or so we're just like man we'd love to do this and i finally just kind of challenged myself to technically figure out what gear i needed and how to do what i do with this little as possible but also be as flexible as possible Mm -hmm. and then at the same time utilizing uh, email and social media and figure out how to connect with people to get people's living rooms available and sell tickets on my own so there's like a whole it was basically just a big it wasn't even a money-making thing I I didn't make very much money but it was just like here's something I'd like to do Mm -hmm. because I'm mostly like a bedroom musician who's just been in my house for my entire career it's like <laughs> i'd love to figure out how to get out and yeah meet people and be face to face with people and not just interact over youtube comments or yes. twitter or facebook or whatever yeah so i mean those were kind of the things that um really made it something that we wanted to do and i'm very happy about how it went and hope to do uh something similar soon because it really did go well it was cool. awesome
0: that's great so you had yeah. um so you're doing your own thing, obviously, but you had someone doing
1: um, like video projection stuff as you're playing? Uh, Well, I did that. Oh, okay. So okay, cool. I put together a, a thing where... So my, the, the core of the setup was Ableton Live. Yeah. And I was running my guitar into it, into a software amp. Yeah. Um, and I had all this separate tracks and stuff I was triggering and looping piano and guitar at the same time. But the... Uh, the, the video stuff was actually working somewhat autonomously and reacting in real time to the audio. Oh, wow. Uh, so I did a bunch of programming beforehand Okay. where when I change scenes on Ableton, it triggers this new video clip, but it's only going to turn on when my volume ramps up on the guitar here. So um, it, it was very reactive and that's kind of how I, that was a big goal too, was to do something interesting visually because I wouldn't, really want to go to a show and literally just watch a guy steer at his pedal board for an hour <laughs> um i wanted some visual representation of the sound so i did spend a lot of time uh, learning about that and trying to make that as cool as possible
0: wow that's great yeah that's really yeah. cool i was gonna um i was wondering did you were you always into video production or did you learn that as you're making your um your youtube <laughs> clips uh
1: no i basically purely out of necessity honestly uh-huh. yeah. like i just uh, i mean the, the whole thing with youtube started as a way to uh put together song ideas because yeah. at, at least when i started youtube there was a 10 minute video limit uh, okay. and honestly yeah. and honestly going into it i was like well okay i've got 10 minutes i've got one take one shot like how can i make an interesting musical idea um so the the video aspect was purely just like I said, necessity. Like I got to make this look n- slightly not lame, if possible. Uh-huh. Um, but it wasn't really the focus from the beginning. Yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: Cool. Good developed yeah. skills though, and obviously, yeah, put them to use on that tour. That's re- that's really great. Yeah, it was pretty fun to put that together. Cool. Okay. Um, simple sounds in simple spaces. <laughs> yeah. That looks fun.
1: Yeah. Oh, very fun. Yeah.
0: So, so what you're doing there? Uh, this is my my quick summary you pretty much take your rig into uh, outdoors these these yeah. crazy outdoor spaces and, and yeah, make middle some music of nowhere. yeah yeah <laughs> how does that work how do you just logistically how do you power up your rig
1: yeah so i discovered i i bought a new tr- not a new truck i bought a truck 3 years ago and <laughs> discovered like a year after i bought it that it had an inverter in it so I you press a button in my cab and it powers a like normal outlet in the back of the truck. Okay, okay. So I I noticed that as my wheel starts spinning, I was like, I have, I can go anywhere and like do something with power. It's kind of crazy. Cool. Um, so basically, I mean, all it is, and again, this uh, discovering that and doing those videos kind of ultimately led to um, the Slow Spaces tour coming together because okay. what really what all it is is um, I have my guitar, I have my pedal board, which is powered from the truck, and then I have my laptop, which is powered from the truck, and yeah. I'm just going direct into an audio interface and using software amps.
0: Okay. And then yeah.
1: monitoring myself with in ear monitors so I can hear which the funny thing about that is that if someone came across me in the middle of the desert, <laughs> they would they wouldn't hear anything. They would just see this guy standing there with a guitar doing very little and be like, "What is going on?" <laughs> um, so yeah, great. it's it's a very uh, at least at least in situations like that, I'm very into convenience. Like I think software sure. amps are great, okay. and it makes it so flexible yep. to do so many different things. And you know, on the slow spaces tour, I spent some money to get really good, uh, like uh, active speakers okay. for our yep. our mixer. So I'm just going direct into computer. Yep. Uh, guitar rig five and then direct over software to uh, this USB mixer and then straight out the uh, the mains so there's there's no guitar amp it's just so uh, I mean you know you're like 95 percent there maybe sure but the convenience factor is just so much more yeah
0: especially when you're your own everything you know right yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you just have so much more control like on on the tour we were playing all these different spaces like we played a you know a a workshop in San Diego and we played a literal apartment in Los Angeles. So it's like we've got to be able to have a good sound in these wildly different spaces. And so we have zero stage volume because everything is going through the computer. Yeah, great. And then the mixer I bought is a Behringer XR18. And so it's just a wireless Mixer, and I just had the other guys stand in the back of the room with an iPad and mixed it great. over Wi-Fi. Awesome. It was just great. It was like the tiniest, best sounding setup ever. It was great. Cool, man. Nice. Yeah. So, um, what is where are some of the places you've you've done the um the uh, outside broadcasts? Uh, so I've only done two. Okay. And <laughs> so I, they're they're both relatively near my house. Yep. Within thirty to forty five minutes. There's just so many cool places here in New Mexico. And I will say um, I just finished filming a a video series very similar to that where I went out to a different spot in New Mexico and filmed like a four-part um, series that I'm currently editing and working on. I actually had a video guy come out with me so that the video will be much um, better in my opinion, but the same overall idea. So, um, cool. But yeah, the, the spots are all... Honestly, very close to Albuquerque, where I live. Nice, yeah, nice. Hey,
0: um, some of your albums have a really strong conceptual kind uh-huh. of uh, idea, like migratory patterns. One yeah. of the early ones. Um, mm-hmm. Reasonably recently, you released "This Is For Our Sins." That's
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's based on a full-on concept, man. Can you can you explain <laughs> what inspired that record?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I'll I'll start off by saying um, pretty much all of my albums at least have some thematic element. Mm -hmm. The reason being, um, I very much, at least in what I do, uh, okay, so there's a lot of ambient post-rock music that it seems to be uh, largely related to two things. One being like space, celestial objects, which I don't really like that very much. Uh Uh-huh the other thing just being like overly emotional, dramatic sounding things that I don't really respond to that either. Okay. So kind of the, and it, the, this really just came about because me thinking like, how do I name my songs? They're instrumental songs. I, I have to come up with a name. Like, what do I even call this song? Yeah. Um, so really kind of what I settled on is like, I'd like each song to represent something I'm going through in my life, but to abstract it, with a story that's not directly related to my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically what all my albums have been um, with. This is for our sins in particular. I stumbled across a story about it. This insane story about this uh, family of six that had was isolated in the Siberian uh, wilderness in Russia for over 30 years, like so long that they didn't know world war two happened. Um, I had no human contact for 30 years. Wow. Um, so there was a lot, basically, well, I mean, one, it's a very cool story, but two, it kind of uh, encapsulated certain things I was thinking about at the time. So instead of writing this album and all these songs and being like, well, here's some overly emotional title that directly relates to how I'm feeling. It's just kind of like an abstraction of here's a story I can use to Mm -hmm. say those things without being too personal yep. about it, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, sure. So there's a there's a distance, but you're really drawing on on yeah. the story and, and the the characters. And,
1: and I do think it allows more people to come in and engage in the music because y- you know I I struggle with with this instrumental music. Like it seems silly to me to try to infuse too much of my personality because part of the point is to let people feel whatever they want. Sure. Um, So if I can abstract it a little bit, it's still uh, me and what I feel, but there's kind of a layer between it that allows people to take literally whatever they want. And even with that album, I didn't try to beat people over the head with the story. It's like the the titles are kind of vague still. So if someone wanted to dig in and uh, think about the story or discover what it means, they could. But if they didn't want to, then that's absolutely fine, too. Sure. The um yeah well I think the
0: titles yeah they um they definitely invoke meaning and then yeah they do put you in a space that you can sure. respond however you'll respond I guess yeah um for me listening to that and and sort of you know digging back into the story just a little bit just getting a rough idea what are you talking about that um yeah that invokes a whole different set of uh, emotions and and responses for me definitely. Yeah than song number one song number two something (laughs) like that perhaps that said that said you you released your a bunch of your youtube clips as ambient song one ambient song two and um as you said they're they're kind of more open to interpretation i guess
1: yeah i just didn't again i could have come up with some overly emotional thing but i just didn't I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't know. It's it just this is the first one in the series, and yeah. this is the twentieth one in the series. Like I don't, I don't know. You, you feel what you want about it. That's kind of what I think.
0: It's cool. I really like both approaches. I think, um, yeah, there's something, there's something in both. This is for yeah. our sins. It's such a heavy story, though. I just, yeah, I want to find yeah. out a bit more where you, where you pull that yes. from, and that's, that's cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Rocking. Hey, a couple of years ago, you toured with Future of Forestry as, as a side man, yeah. essentially. Yep. Did you enjoy that experience playing in a band again?
1: I did. Yeah. It's fun to. I mean, one, not be in charge. Yep. And, and two, just be told, here's your part. Uh, you just have to play this part. <laughs> you yeah. Know, cool. You don't have to be the. Uh, I guess the creative mind. The creativity comes in other places, but it's just like here's here's the part you play it, and then your yeah. job is fulfilled. Cool. Um, so yeah, there is something nice about that, especially when you know, I have this other thing where I'm the guy in charge of everything. Um, it's, and it, yeah, it feels good. Yeah. <laughs> nice.
0: And what was your job on that tour? So you were playing some guitars, but uh-huh. I think you had some oh, other stuff going on.
1: Yeah. I had a lot of things going on. So, uh, guitar for sure. I was also in charge of running the click tracks.
0: Okay. Yeah. So
1: I did some fancy Ableton programming, um, that <laughs> I, I, I did all this programming beforehand, so I it changed. I had Ableton changing all my pedals for me over MIDI, and oh, I was cool. even changing Eric's pedals too, and doing stuff like I was using Mainstage as um, some software synth stuff. So it was Ableton was talking to Mainstage and changing patches for me there. Um, but other than that, programming all that stuff, I was doing keyboards. What else did I play? A uh, vibraphone, a nice. little bit of percussion. Cool. Uh, harmonium and then like some bell stuff it's really like a choreography, like I had to run around <laughs> figure out how to okay, I've gotta be taking my guitar off at this point so I can get to this thing and play this at the right time yeah um so yeah, there was a lot of stuff to do, which was pretty fun, yeah, sounds great would would you yeah. entertain doing more
0: of that in the future
1: uh yeah, I mean i I'm not the kind of person. You know, I've got a family and four kids. I don't want to be gone yes, a lot. Sure. The nice, the nice thing about future forestry is, you know, Eric, uh, the the main guy. You know, he's he's got a wife and kids too, so he's not going to be touring that much. Yeah. Um. So it's nice knowing that he's not just some single gung ho dude who's like, I'm going to be touring seven months out of the year because <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not. Yeah. Interested in that kind of gig for um, sure, so, but, For sure. But yeah. Like I said, it is really refreshing to step away from being the sole creative mind and the one who I have all the pressure on my shoulders to a situation where I'm sharing that uh, with other people. And honestly, just playing with other musicians is just great overall. So, yeah, I'd definitely be interested in, in something like that as long as the time permitted. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, like even looking at my career, I i don't have to tour ever Mm -hmm. i i do it when it comes up and when it makes sense because it kind of adds to what i'm doing but uh, i don't know we're in a a weird age where it is possible to do music for a living and and literally just stay in your bedroom yeah all day (laughs)
0: that's a whole paradigm shift isn't
1: it yeah absolutely back in the day you'd you'd
0: be in your bedroom the whole time so you could Uh. eventually get a gig but uh you've done it backwards
1: I absolutely, yeah, it's kind of (laughs) weird.
0: Before before the podcast, we were just talking this morning um, when we hooked up the the yeah. Skype line, and you you told me you've just started a podcast with a friend of yours. Yeah. What's what's that about?
1: Yeah, it's uh it's called Ink and Echo. So it's basically me and my friend Josh, who lives in Denver, just six hours north of me in Colorado, and he's a he's an author, uh, soon to be director with a day job. Uh huh. And so uh, it's less guitar. It's really not guitar centric at all, but it's purely just kind of coming at uh, creativity. So, you know, me being a full time musician, things that happen in my life and him as a uh, creative with a day job, but wants to do it full time and kind of the different sides of that and talking about it. And we're, we're hoping to have guests on and stuff we're, we're literally on our third episode so we're still trying to figure out what exactly we're talking about <laughs> but you know I've just had a lot of I really like the podcast medium and I think it's a good place to get ideas and in context out and I'm just really enjoying talking to my friend and putting some ideas out there that might help people that I don't think I could articulate on Twitter or Facebook or any yeah, other medium. Sure. really so that's kind of where it comes from and I'm pretty excited about it. That's cool.
0: That's cool. Yeah, yeah a lot of online content it's so um it's so bite-sized. Um, yeah. you know like your 15 second video clip or this or that, which is great. You know, you get to grab yeah. bits but um but I don't know, you you you're preaching to the church really um in yeah. podcasts, you know. Yeah, I love that whole idea that you can sit down and talk to someone for half an hour for an hour and uh, yeah. like we're doing now and and uh dig deeply into things. That's Definitely cool. So what's the name of the podcast again? Ink and
1: uh, Echo? Ink, yeah, Ink and Echo. And you can just it, you can just go to inkandecho.com and all the links to all the places are there. Um, yeah. Oh, that's cool. cool. I'll definitely check that out. And um, Yeah. Yeah,
0: encourage our listeners too. That's fantastic. Yes, yes. Alrighty. Um, I'm just going to get my nerd on now. And, yeah,
1: um, I'm, I'm waiting for you to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the inevitable gear questions. But I've loved digging yeah. into... Yeah, this other side of it because yeah, as we said, you know, the tools are fun. Like we love the tools, but um, but the music's the, the um, yes. the goal, isn't it? So talking yeah, about that's now, cool.
1: But now that that's out of the way, we can talk the gear.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, now yeah, your gear has um, so you started with the DD five. Well, that was a yeah. probably a, a shaper to your to your soundtracky yeah. kind of style. You went to the DL four, the big green. Yeah. Looper, I reckon what if we just jump to now? What's what does your live rig look like?
1: Well, I mean, let me just say this, it changes so often. I yeah. don't feel like I have such a thing as a live rig. Okay. It it's just like here's what I want to make today and so stuff is coming in and out a lot. Cool. Um, but I mean, I'm looking so I have the board in front of me that I use for this Ford video series. Mhm. Um, I don't know. Should I just like tell you the change? Yeah, maybe that cool? some
0: of your main things. Well, what's your main? Maybe some big, big items will be your yeah. looper. What's, yeah, I mean, are you on a boomerang looper,
1: now? Uh, I'm no. I still have it and I love it, but I'm currently using a Ditto X4.
0: Okay, the TC. Electronic yeah, the TC one.
1: electronic, and yeah. it's um, it's very cool, and it it's just simpler than the boomerang when I don't need all the stuff the boomerang. I mean, people ask me like Ditto X4 or boomerang. I'm like, well, it's Apples and oranges. Like it's just depends on what you want. Okay. Currently, I'm looking for simpler features, but still being able to do reverse and halftime and all that cool stuff. So yeah, um, that's at the end of my chain. I mean, the biggest things. Uh, the Pog Two, I use it a lot. Yeah. Especially the auto swell feature. Okay. I've really gotten away from using the volume pedal for swells. Okay. Well, why is that? Um, I don't know. Well, part of it is I, I'm really one of my f- Favorite and most inspiring artist right now is a band called A Winged Victory for the Sullen. Um and their guitar player Adam is one of the dudes from Stars of the Lid, which you may have heard of that. It's like super, super ambient okay. stuff, very minimal. But he uh he uses a POG 2 for his auto swells, and it's okay. just perfect for me. It never misses a transient uh, and you can do an incredible amount of stuff with it. So not only can it do standard octave stuff, but the swells are great. Cool. Um,
0: and that's been a re- your rig for a while, hey?
1: Yeah, I used the MicroPog for a long time, and kind of once I figured out that the Pog 2 had the swell, okay. or, I mean, the at- it's basically the attack uh, uh, slider um, gives you the ability to cut cut the attack off. Yeah, sure. Uh, once I discovered how versatile that is, I I went there and never looked back. Cool. Um I mean, other than that, the uh, old blood noise procession, I really, really like. Yeah, what does that do? I use, I use it, honestly, very early in my chain, uh, 100% mix. So basically, it's another way if I don't want to remove the attack on the pog, I remove the attack with that pedal. Okay, yeah. Um, so I can kind of just like, you know, pick a, a, a double stop or something, and it just kind of turns into a drony thing. Cool. Um, uh, you know, I use <laughs> I use two El Capistan's right now. One for delay and one purely just for looping. Okay. I got I got tired of switching back and forth between the delay and loop settings because I love them both so much. Okay, and the El yeah. Capistan looper, I don't know if there's a signature thing I do. It's probably that because I haven't. It seems like most people don't know how the heck to use it. Right. Uh, and I just love the fact that it deteriorates and degrades over time and that kind of interesting stuff so um, with that
0: yeah just back on that yeah a yeah, lot of loopers yeah, sure. and I'm not sure if everyone gets this but a lot of loopers will just infinitely loop your, your yeah. part which is cool um, yep. particularly those song singer-songwriter guys that need their verse just to right. you know keep uh, sitting city yeah exactly it. so with the Al Capistone how are you using that? do you want to explain the deterioration yeah, idea?
1: Mean, there's different ways I use it um, so so I mean, there's the tape age and the, the wow and flutter knobs. Mm-hmm. So t- typically when I start a loop, those are all the way off. Because if you turn those up at all, your loop is going to degrade super, super fast and okay. start getting warbly and weird. Yep. Um, and I keep the repeats right at 3 o'clock because that seems to be what keeps it at a normal volume. And But what's cool is you turn the repeats up farther to 9 o'clock, it starts to overload itself over time and just get really grungy sounding
0: yeah cool. which
1: can be cool for certain things and then yep. if you roll the repeats back uh less than three o'clock it starts to gradually fade away mm-hmm. um so i use that those features all the time to want like you know in a video or something i have the repeats up and then if i want to end it i roll it back and just kind of sit sit back and let it deteriorate and eventually fade away by cool. itself which That's is fun. awesome yeah and then um you know, depending on what I want to do, I turn the tape age and wow and flutter knobs up to just make it get more weird and mangled over time too. So it's just, I don't know, it just gives you fun control over the sound of the loop after you've recorded it. And mm-hmm. that's, um, and then of course you've got the halftime feature still, you can turn the time knob, uh, to the other side and it goes halftime. Cool. And that's, that's a thing I use all the time. Nice. And will that
0: drop the octave as well? uh-huh yeah like a standard kind of halftime idea yeah cool yeah
1: exactly good time it works that the opposite fun. too you can leave it in halftime mode and record and then go octave up if pull you it want. up yeah cool uh, i don't do that as much but still a cool thing
0: yeah nice uh, anything uh, else and then I, yeah. yeah
1: yeah i mean i've i've started uh somewhat recently i got the montreal assembly count to five at all
0: yeah i was just talking to um sarah lipstate um yeah, I Actually,
1: listened to part of your uh, podcast with her about that. Oh, cool! It, which I remember her saying that she doesn't know what the hell it does some of the time, which I completely agree with. <laughs> but it, <laughs> I think everyone says that. Yeah, I I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on it. And one of my favorite yeah. features is that you can uh, sample things um, and then have it have it play back in like three different octaves, all reversed or at different. Reverse and forward. You can just do some weird stuff with it, uh-huh. and and one of my favorite things is when you, uh, like what well, it's. I don't know what's happening internally, but it's stretching the sound such that it gives you that when it goes an octave down, it gives you that nice lo-fi, kind of crinkly sound. Uh-huh. Cool. Um, so different, different than something you can get on the El Capistan. So you know, one of my favorite things is just layering, different lo-fi sounds. Like you, it, uh, it's. I, I really try to avoid loading up on the same frequency. So different pedals are allow me to put things in different frequency ranges, and this just is just a different pedal that has a different sound that allows me to arrange things in a different okay. way. yeah, So cool. that's what I like about it. And I'm I'm uh other than that, I uh, I'm really happy with the Eventide Space as a reverb. Mm-hmm. I just the Black Hole algorithm is just uh, i can't get away from how good it sounds and i i love it cool so, yeah and then i've got all <laughs> i've got three chase bliss audio pedals on there the warp vinyl tonal recall and the gravitas um partly because the warping abilities are just so fun yeah got, you know a ramping tremolo that's constantly moving between slow and fast it's just very interesting again as like a layer on top of other stuff it just mm-hmm. You know, adds a layer of complexity or weirdness that I, you know, can't really quite get from anything else.
0: Yeah, nice. So it sounds yeah. to me like at the moment um, a, a big deal for you is not just sort of stacking linear sounds on top of each other, um, but you're really looking yeah. for movement within those sounds. Yes,
1: absolutely. Once yeah, absolutely. Even and once it, they're looped. Oh yeah, because I mean, one of the things you learn over time is that you can't just have you know one reverb and constantly put that same sounding layer on top because you're just going to get a huge mushy sound of grossness you know Uh (laughs) if you do want to layer lots of things together you've got to uh delineate them somehow frequency wise or part wise and you know i'm largely dealing with big frequency type sounds so i've got to make sure i can separate them somehow and that's kind of what i try to focus on
0: yeah cool for um with that frequency span is that um is that part of the attraction for you now with using software amps and running them through like full range cabinets does that does that handle the broad frequency better than say a couple of guitar combos
1: yes uh, yeah, well, it depends. I mean, honestly, sometimes I'll run direct into my computer and not even use a guitar amp. Because yeah, at some well, point, it, it feels silly to me to like, okay, I'm playing a guitar, but the sounds that are coming out are not guitar sounds at all. So yeah, why sure. use a guitar amp? <laughs> so there are songs and YouTube videos I've put up where there are, it's literally direct into my interface mm-hmm. with a little EQ maybe, but no real amp or no software amp
0: yeah right at
1: at all so yeah it it just depends on what what you're trying to do i just you know it took me a while to realize like well if why do i need a guitar amp Uh (laughs) there's no real reason to sometimes uh and and again it could be a thing like i could layer a sound completely direct in and then add another sound that does have a real guitar amp or a software amp and you're going to get that similar frequency dis- dissociation you know it's just yeah, another sure. way to distinguish sounds from each other so that's kind of where i'm going or what i'm going for at this point in time okay cool hey yeah.
0: interesting again just to mention um novella again um sarah was saying yeah. Yeah, same story hey sometimes she's not using an amp um at all yeah um yeah. some yeah like so interesting that that both you guys are have arrived at similar ideas, but sometimes you'll use one if, if you if you want to. Um the pair of right. you,
1: Very interesting. Well it just it's another thing you can throw in your bag, you know. Yeah, like cool As a musician you can you, you largely it's just like here's all these tricks and tools I have and one of the tools is to not use something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like cool. that's a tool. Yeah. Not, not use to something, something you would normally use. <laughs> cool man.
0: Hey um let's talk guitars you started mm-hmm. it seems like you're playing telecasters a lot in your early
1: career um yes what, what's happening these days i mean teles are still my main if, if i mean if i could have just one guitar would be a telecaster absolutely yeah and that's uh mainly comes from uh that that guy i was talking about earlier mark from dredge mm-hmm. um i mean he plays a few different things but it's mo- at least the album that i like the sound best it's largely a telecaster into a marshall and that's it, and then and then there's dudes like Tom Morello. I love Raging Against the Machine. Yeah, And yeah. A lot of his sounds are Tele into a Marshall. Too. Yeah. So yeah. It, uh, that's kind of where that comes from. I just feel like they're really versatile guitars, but um, it's uh, definitely a, a bright sound. Of course, that's mm-hmm. well known and documented. Um, so I've got my main parts Telecaster that has the weird uh, Strat pickup in the middle, and people always think it's a B Bender. Because it has a little knob below the bridge that looks. Oh yeah, like yeah, it... I've
0: seen that, and
1: I've thought the yeah, same it's... thing. What, what is that? Yeah, so it's 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 literally a, a guitar someone built, and I bought it for five hundred bucks. Uh huh. Um, so it's it's got you know the normal uh, neck and bridge pickups, and then a strap pickup in the middle. Yeah. But it's only got a three-way switch. Okay. And the the knob behind the bridge is a blend knob oh, okay. for the strap pickup, so I can blend it into whatever. Scenario I want, so it's cool because I can be in the middle position, neck and bridge, and then bring in the strat and have all three pickups on, which is non standard, yeah. Sure. Or I can have it on the bridge pickup and only have like 25% of the strat pickup in, yeah, nice. just get a tiny bit of that quack, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool, yeah. Um, and, and then I've got another American Standard uh, 2012 Telecaster that I string with 11s instead of 10s as like a thicker type sound. Yep, cool. And as a backup. Um, more recently, I just bought, not just, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago, bought a uh, Lawsuit Ibanez Les Paul. Oh, okay. I think
0: I saw that in one of your videos, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like this weird sunburst uh, yes. guitar. Yeah. Uh, it, again, it's, uh, it, it's cool because it complements my tellies in a, a darker tone. Mm-hmm. But it has the bolt-on neck,
0: yeah, which is cool. Because
1: yeah. I don't, for the most part, I don't really get along with Les Pauls because of how dark they are. But I okay. think the bolt-on neck gives it that uh, brighter sound that I need, but still kind of the heaviness of the humbuckers. Yeah, uh, cool. So it's a perfect complement in mm. my mind, and uh, you know, it's it's hot, it's chambered, which gives it a little more brightness too. Right. And again, it was like another five hundred bucks. So apparently, I'm drawn to really cheap weird guitars. Sure. Um, which has always been kind of my thing so why not
0: yeah that's the thing with
1: the the lawsuits I I only sort of recently
0: realized but they're they're all bolt-ons all those LPs yeah Um... and
1: and I I read something I've also wanted an SG for a long time and I've never really found an SG that I connect with but this is probably in between because you know you've got the bolt-on sound of an SG as opposed to the uh, you know heaviness of a Les Paul yeah for sure maybe maybe this is what I've been searching for all along (laughs) yeah cool Nice.
0: Yeah. Um, what about tunings? Do you do you stick to standard or do you do do you do any alterations?
1: I I'm pretty boring in that area. <laughs> I'm mostly completely standard. Yeah, I don't even tune down half step or anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty standard in that area.
0: Oh, that's cool. You're obviously making it work, so yeah, I'm trying All trying good. my
1: best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very cool. So what's um what's the rest of twenty sixteen look like for you?
1: Uh, man, it's just, uh, I've got a lot of kind of, well, for one, I'm working on a new album that right. I'm dying to finish and get out. And I've got a couple other projects. I, oh, I guess for this podcast, interesting fact would be I was contacted by a company to create a sample library for them. Okay, So cool. pretty soon I'll be t- doing the tedious process of sampling a bunch of my sounds and they'll be putting it into like a contact instrument for anybody to use however they want wow that's cool um yeah i thought it was a pretty cool idea really and it, it would be cool to see people mangle my sounds and figure out how to use them in something i would never think yeah. to yeah awesome um so you know that kind of stuff and then uh people you know doing some contract work for uh agencies who want you know sounds works for hire that kind of stuff so i for the most the rest of this year i'm just gonna kind of stay home and mm-hmm work on music in various forms. That's just I'm excited about
0: That's cool. That's so great. And um yeah. yeah. Man, well congratulations. You've really, you know, <laughs> followed followed your muse. You've, you know, you've built up um you've built a career out of doing stuff that you love and and you've made yeah. it work for you and for your family, which is which is no mean feat. So fantastic, yeah. man.
1: Well done. Yeah, hey, I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. yeah.
0: Hey, well, Andy, thank you so much for for talking to us. It's um, it's been it's been wonderful. Like as I said, I've um, and I seem to say this to my guests a lot, but I've been listening to you for quite a few years now, and to actually meet you is awesome, and uh, and to hear about your creative process and your creative thoughts. So, man, thank you so no, much for joining yeah. us.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate. It. Like I said, it's fun to be able to actually uh, get sort of out of my bedroom, quote unquote, and talk to people, <laughs> uh, not face to face, but you know, over Skype is is excellent too (laughs) yeah cool yeah I really appreciate it Matt it's been fun great
0: All right, Andy well thanks so much and um, yeah we'll keep an eye out of uh, whatever comes up next for you sounds good thanks okay thanks Andy alright bye now bye alright there you go that's our interview with Andy Othling from Lowercase Noises it was great to meet Andy and uh, find out more about the Lowercase Noises story you should definitely check out his stuff he's got a very Uh, findable presence on the net you can check him out at youtube and and through his facebook page and all that kind of stuff in fact as i'm wrapping up this episode uh andy's just released um another one of his videos where he set up his rig outside in the new mexico desert and um it's beautifully shot and beautifully recorded so check that out it's called the terra incognita series all right. Now, if you want more of the Guitar Speak podcast, we've got another 21 episodes previous to this one ready for your listening enjoyment. You can find us on iTunes. You can subscribe there. Super easy. If you've got an iThingamajig, uh, uh, Android users, um, you can find us on Stitcher. That's a good spot. And you can definitely go to guitarspeakpodcast.libsen.com and you can download all of our episodes there. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page with details of the Michael Dolce gear giveaway and the Michael Dolce masterclass. And again, my thanks to Warren at Ugroove, who's also bringing this episode to you today. Now, before I go, uh, just a couple of things. If you're enjoying the episodes, hey, would you please share them around your social network? And that helps get the word out there for us. Uh, If you're on iTunes, if you could leave us a review, that's really helpful for us as well and um, I think that's all I need to tell you other than to say finally thank you so much for joining us Uh, love having you here we've got some really exciting things coming up too so uh, get locked in somehow so you know what's going on here at the Guitar Speak podcast and we'll see you next time bye now